ComC is your home to buy, sell, and flip all kinds of trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 31 million cards, from baseball's biggest stars like Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, and Mookie Betts, to Marvel favorites like Spider-Man, Thor, and Captain America. ComC has something for every type of collector. Come visit ComC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. When I bought out the attic a couple years ago, I did so primarily with the objective of getting access to all of the cards and sports memorabilia that he had inside. That's what I was after. But there was an unexpected benefit that I am so happy about. And that was that I learned that I was almost as excited to do the research and to learn about these other antiques and vintage collectibles as I was the cards. And there was a whole host of those inside the attic find. Well, fast forward about a year and a half, and recently I found a thrift shop in our town that has all kinds of untapped potential. At least I feel like it's untapped potential. And so over the last couple weeks, I've made a couple trips and I've gone through some of the things that they've got and I picked up some pretty cool stuff. I picked up a whole host of old and vintage books, hardcover books, softcover books, some things that seem to be pretty limited when I did some scans on eBay. Looks like at 50 cents a book, they are going to sell somewhere between $8 and $25 each. And I got a whole host of these books that I'm going to try to learn a little bit more about buying and selling vintage books online as well. The other thing that I've been able to pick up there is some records. There was a box of 45s that was, there's 200, a little over 200 records in this box. I was able to snag that box for $20 at this thrift shop, less than 10 cents a record. And it's things like Elvis and Steppenwolf and the Rolling Stones, Simon and Garfunkel, a lot of these classic musicians from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and there's, there's a whole bunch of them. So I've been starting to go through those, listen to some of those. There's duplicates of some of them, so there's some I'll be able to keep for my own collection, and then some that I'm going to be able to sell off. But it's been fun to go back and learn about some of these different labels from the past and some of the different um, the, the bands and the artists that I'd never heard of because there's a bunch out of 200 that I'm not familiar with. And sometimes those can be some of the most desirable ones. So it has been fun to go back and start to learn about some of these different categories of what is out there. Neckties was another one <laughs> that I picked up, um, eight or nine, 10 neckties. And they were, you know, a buck a piece, but it looks like some of the brands that were there routinely sell for 10 to $20 for a, a, a vintage necktie. So it was interesting and I found a lot of enjoyment about going back and learning about some of these things that are completely new to me. I spent a total of $80. I've already listed about four to $500 worth of stuff and I think there's probably another three to $400 worth of inventory that I have not got listed yet. 
and with and, and I've just started doing this within the last five or six days, and I've already sold about forty dollars worth of stuff from that purchase, so almost half my money back already. And so it looks like it's probably going to be somewhere in that neighborhood of an, an eighty dollar purchase with about eight hundred dollars worth of listings and a whole lot of fun and learning and education to go along with that. So while that's not sports card related, it still is that topic of never ending your desire to learn, never ending that desire to grow your knowledge in the in the collectible world. So I thought I'd start today's episode with a little bit of that story of, of what's been going on with me and what's been going on in my head for the last couple of weeks. Our main topic today is the second half of our Harry Potter cards conversation with Adam Gray. Last week, we got a lot of good feedback from people who found it refreshing to hear about a different type of trading cards. And so here's the rest of that conversation. Now, those those 17 products that you mentioned started with Prisoner of Azkaban. Did they only go from... Prisoner of Azkaban through the end of the the film run, or did they actually go backwards and, and say, "Oh, maybe maybe we should have had something for the first couple movies too. Let's go release a, a product with those, you know, based on on those films too." Was there? Did they go back in time, or was it kind they of did. from three on? It's such a good question. They they started Prisoner of Azkaban, then they did the Prisoner of Azkaban update, and then. They went back and they went, wait a second, we need to go hit the Sorcerer's Stone. We need to go, you know, we need to go hit those first two movies. So both of those first two movies have products that don't contain any of the big three autographs. So there's no Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe autograph from the Sorcerer's Stone. It doesn't exist. Um, but, but then they do have some of those key characters autographs. And more importantly, I think to collectors, they have some of the really key pieces of, of um, movie um, like props. So you'll you'll love this. Ah, I've got such a regret on this one. But for the Sorcerer's Stone, they went back and they took the Harry Potter ticket, the nine and three quarters ticket, and they cut that into 40 pieces and they made 40 of that card. I had a chance to buy that card for a thousand dollars. It's probably and I, I didn't do it because I was focusing on the autographs. That card's probably 10 grand now, maybe more, maybe 20 grand. It's it's like the grail of hairy like um, prop cards. And um, and so that that is one of the great cards from the first one. The first one also has like autographs of nearly headless Nick and one other one other key autograph. That there's like three or four hundred of, but he's only he only appears in that first set. And then they went through and they did the rest of the movies all the way to the Deathly Hallows too. And they did update sets and then they did some funky like 3D sets. And, and, and in the end, I think they ended up with 17. It's either 16 or 17 sets total. Now, were there other, I'm, I'm going to kind of jump around because I'm sure there's, you know, you'd mentioned there's a, some, some characteristics and some traits, but since we're kind of on the topic of how many different releases, how many different products were out there, mm-hmm. um, one of the other things that we at, we run into on the sports side so much is promo sets and kind of partnership sets mm. or, you know, uh, are there other Harry Potter card releases that were either done by Artbox or other manufacturers that were more, you know, food promotional sets or other, you know, mm. merchandise promotional sets and things like that, that kind of get pulled into the whole Harry Potter universe from a, from a card perspective? Yeah, there are. There's a lot of those just because the IP is so huge. 
Um, you, in fact, I was at a store yesterday looking for Christmas presents for my kids, and they still sell these chocolate frogs that come with cards, and they're like lenticular cards. They're really cool, um, but to me, I don't know a lot about those. I've I've focused on the stuff that's like the rarer, like getting close to the actor sort of stuff because um, that stuff sort of ha has a broader appeal to me. But I, I think if you were to look into it. There's probably dozens of those types of sets. The the other thing that you made me think of when you mentioned that is that some of the real key, um, I was going to say grail type cards that have come out of Harry Potter are not necessarily pack inserted. Back when the products were coming out, if a, if a, if somebody ordered a number of cases, they would get bonuses for buying these numbers of cases. So you would get like, in fact, that card that's number 40 that I was just talking about, that might have been a bonus that you received, not by getting it out of a pack, but that might have been one of those cards that you got if you ordered a certain number of cases. There were also cards that were released at shows, like uh, Comic-Con type shows, and they were specific to those. One of them, I know there's a Luna Lovegood that's like that. There's a, um, there's a Cedric Diggory, I think, that's like that. And I think there's a Malfoy that's like that. Some of those are really rare, like where they only signed like 25 or 50 cards. Um, those are some of the really like difficult to find big time grail type cards that didn't even come out of packs in the end. They just were produced for a short time for a specific event. Not everybody always either has a desire to or maybe can afford some of the, the higher end autos and things like that. You know, these were all issued in, in pack form as well. Some people love to put together the base set of, of certain yeah. products, especially entertainment products, because it's got the scenes from the movies that are pictured or, you know, the character cards of, of people's favorite characters. Um, have you or have you any of your kids as, as they were looking at some? Have you ever acquired or, or put together or kept any of the kind of base card sets and or follow-up question were there also like parallels that went along with these like we see from a um from a sports card perspective yeah this is a great question mike because i'm 100 with you not everybody not everybody's gonna just go after i i kind of bury i kind of bury myself when i say hey i bought a card it was five grand and that was the first one I, and that's really a dumb way to talk about it because because that's not where collecting starts, right? Collecting starts with um, typically like usually gifts, cards that are given to you or things that you give to your kids because they might just find interesting. They open a few packs, right? So for Christmas last year, I'm now remembering, I bought each one of my kids a single pack um, that they could open. And it was the retail version because the retail versions didn't have autographs. Um, and so they're still, they're still pretty cheap, actually. Like you can find them for like, five to $10 a pack. And the thing that's really cool that you can discover even in the retail is they've got like great looking base sets and great looking inserts. Um, the thing that happens with movies sometimes is they'll, they'll put the movie into a set. So like a, a card represents a scene rather than representing a character. But as sports collectors, we know we care about like the individual rather than specifically like a moment. You know, like it'd be like there'll be a card that's like this is the moment that Hermione got them out of the this certain certain situation. And it's like, OK, that's great. But I'd rather just have a Hermione type card. Right. So the base sets are like are mostly not totally, but mostly around 
um, the moments rather than the individuals. And they're really cheap, but they're cool looking. A lot of the inserts are more sort of focused on the individual. And some of the in inserts are kind of rare. Um, the, those are really interesting. They're not expensive at all. They're still really cheap. And then there are like film cards that are serial numbered. And there's the... Um, the prop cards and the um, costume cards, some of those are actually pretty cheap too. Um, I I would tell anybody who's a Harry Potter fan, like literally just go to one of the marketplaces, type in Harry Potter art box, start looking at it, and then, you know, do the research. Um, I started a, a thread on the blowout forums that has like a ton of information. Just, you could spend hours on there. Um, or, you know, you can go to NS lists, um, the one that I was telling you about earlier and just research and research and research. And what you're going to find is like, there's so many different options here. You don't have to just go for the high end stuff, but if you want to know about pop counts and things like that, some of that, some of that research could really help. you. When you were talking about film cards, are those the ones that have like an actual piece of film strip in there as a kind of as a relic? Aren't, are, it looks like it's an actual piece of film from like, production but i don't think it is i think it's just like it's just like they made 400 of this one hermione scene okay did you see i i think that's the case but i could be wrong about that i don't know for sure okay have you ever come across you know um any interviews that the actors or production staff have done where they talk about the cards and they talk about acquiring the, the relics, you know, the movie props that are, that are put into them, or they talk about um, doing autograph signing sessions and things like that for, for these card sets, or has that been kind of one of those things that, that we've not really ever heard from, from many of them about. I haven't ever heard anything. I have looked, I've even, I've even like tagged different actors on things before that I posted it's funny because we try to do that sometimes in the world of sports cards and it's somewhat possible. But when you think about like, again, th think about the cultural significance of Hermione or Emma Watson versus like Lamella Ball. And it's just, it's stupid. It's like, she's known by hundreds of hundred, hundred times as many people. And so getting that sort of reaction out of them. And these were such small sets, right? Like, 8,000 boxes, 5,000 boxes. Like it was a drop in the bucket. They, they, I think the kids probably remember, you would think they probably remember signing a hundred cards, but like, honestly, Mike, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't even remember that it was when they were kids and they were signing so much stuff um, like posters and things for fans, but it was the only time they signed cards. And so I would think that they would remember, but I haven't ever heard from well, you've done a good job of kind of laying out kind of the history of these different releases, the options that are out there for us. One of the things that I, I did want to ask about, because I think it's such a big part of what we think about when we think about collecting, and that is the community aspect of things, right? When we when we think about collecting sports cards, we, there's all kinds of hobby communities that are out there where we can talk with people, we can bounce ideas off of people, celebrate what we've collected or, or put my want list out there. Are you aware of any kind of Facebook groups or, you know, other hobby communities that are out there that are, are solely focused or primarily focused on Harry Potter cards? There, the, the Instagram um, community, I put together a, um, 
just a group that we talk to each other on. It's just like a chat group. I think there's like 25 of us. The thing that's kind of hard about it is it's like a really diverse group of collectors. There's like a bunch of people from the UK and America, but then there's people from, there's a lot of people from Japan. There's a lot of people from other places in Europe. So the, there's definitely a language barrier for like the community part parts of it. Um, it's not, it's not like sports cards in that way, but I, I feel like that community is growing in a lot of ways because there haven't been like places where they can come together. That blowout thread's a pretty good example. There's it's it's been a very viewed um, thread. If you just go to blowout and type in Harry Potter art box, you'll see the thread, and, um, and there's a lot there. Uh, there's also some there's also a lot of a lot on Facebook as well. Um, so that's probably the the place that I would recommend anyone goes if they want to to get to know people, but also message me on Instagram. Um, my, I actually have a Harry Potter specific Instagram account. It's uh 27 guy underscore Harry Potter. Um, and that's where I post all of my Harry stuff. I had to sell a good percentage of my Harry Potter stuff when I bought a really key Kobe Bryant card earlier this year, but I still have all of my very best Harry Potter stuff. Like I still have the triple that I was telling you about, which is honestly like the hardest, hardest card I've ever found. I still have the quad. The quad's really cool. Did you ever see um did you ever see the movie um The Goblet of Fire? Mm-hmm. So you know they have like the four um triwizard champions. Yep. Yep. So this card has a piece of each of their uniforms and each of their autographs. So it has all four of them um with the autograph and the piece on the same card. And they signed, they only made a hundred of these cards. So um, that I think that's probably like the second best Harry Potter card. I have that, I, the original Hermione and the original Harry, and then I've got a few other one-offs. But those are really like the best autograph cards that are out there, and people are searching for those like crazy. Just it's just like anything else though in the world of in the world of cards, the best stuff is hard to find, and it never pops up for sale. You just never see them hit auction. So. Um, you know, the, the first Hermione now, last time I, I sold a couple of them when I was paying for that big Kobe card, they're over 10 grand now. You know, it's it's not an easy thing to jump into. And, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know what will happen in the future. Obviously, I don't want to suggest that I do. But but it seems to me that that Harry Potter fans um, are are some of the craziest fans out there. And the fact that there's this sort of niche group or niche like um, collectibles out there is something that card collectors have really gotten into. But the question that I think really still remains, Mike, is do people, do people who are fans of Harry Potter want to collect cards? We know that as baseball and basketball fans, we love cards. We know that like, that's a thing. There's big groups. We don't know that so much about entertainment still. And I think that's a TBD thing. I don't know if that's going to, what's going to happen over the years. I I think there's a good chance that it'll continue to take off, but would it shock me if like that world doesn't really ever progress to become like card collectors? We know they love the the series. Do we know they love cards? Do you know what I mean? Does that question make sense? Oh, it absolutely does. And I, it's a question that's been on my mind a lot too, as I've continued to get more and more interested in some of these entertainment products and entertainment releases. And I think one of the other things that we hit on earlier that I think is super relevant to that conversation is there is an interest, there's a growing interest, 
but to some extent it still is being balanced by the availability of product to collect yeah. and the supply and the demand for some of these entertainment products are at that point where, like you'd mentioned, there's not a lot of supply. And so the fact that there may not be as many collectors or people who are interested in Harry Potter cards as there are overall Harry Potter fans, but there's enough of them that the demand for those autographs, relics, some of those key cards are still really high. I I have the same thing. My parallel is Stranger Things. And so I've been pursuing a series one, um, the 2018 top series one or season one release master set of of everything that was put out there for Stranger Things. Um, Now, I've not dug into any of the subsequent releases, but on that first one, there are relic cards that came in every blaster box. And when it first came out, they're just manufactured patch relics. They, you could buy them for 50 cents a piece. Nobody cared, right? But those are drying up because the overall print run on that product was not near as, as high as people were thinking it, that it was going to be. And even those manufactured patch relics are sometimes 10 to $20 a piece, right? For something that came in every single retail blaster box. And the costume relics, like I just finished, it should be in the mail today. Actually, it's out for delivery as we speak. And by the time people see this, I will have posted it. But there's like six just pure costume relics. And I got the the Nancy Wheeler. The last one that I needed for that is in the mail today. But I paid $100 for it because they never come up. And when I saw it, I bought it. And so just a plain costume. All the other ones I probably paid $3 to $15 for. But but this one, I just, I've seen it once or twice in the last two years. And so I, I jumped on this one. Um, the autographs are similar. That Some of those key ones, you, you just never see them, right? And yeah. so... The Millie Bobby Brown, you don't see it. You can see some of the really limited ones and they have asking prices of four or $5,000 on them, you know, out there on eBay. But even some of the other kind of key characters, it's definitely not uncommon to have to pay two, three, four, five hundred $500 for some of these other autographs. Now it's, it's not that they're super rare. It's not that, but there's that balance of the demand and the supply that's out there that have created a pricey product for some of these non-sports um, non-sports cards or entertainment cards, but they'll never have the pure population of people who are collecting them. But there's that balance is, is right there for um, desirability for the people who are fans. That last point that you made there is, is the most interesting part to me because like let's let's compare Stranger Things, which I I know I know about the Stranger Things things too because I love Stranger Things and I love the cards I love them. Um, I was so into the Harry Potter stuff that I wouldn't let myself get into the Stranger Things stuff at the same time. But I love that play for you because because it is so there's not very much of it. It was it was a lot cheaper. The thing that I think is different is that Stranger Things came out zero cool fanatics cards were really cool when it came out. And so there's more people who know about it, right? When the Harry Potter cards came out, we were in that real lull in in the world of card collecting between 2004 and 2010. Nothing was super popular back then. Like card collecting wasn't as cool then as it is today. And, And so we can just have a basic conversation about like supply and demand and how that affects it. But I think there's also a conversation to be had about like, 
like whether whether the collectors of Harry Potter type stuff will ever really care about the cards. Now we know they care somewhat because some of these cards are so expensive, right? We know that literally the most expensive card up until earlier this year that I'd ever bought was a Harry Potter card. So obviously they have a lot of value. I get it, but not compared to like what they are in culture, like in our culture, it's, it's mind blowing to me, Mike, that, that the, the, the big three from Harry Potter that they signed one card ever. They only signed 50 copies of it, 50 copies in the whole world for those three on the same thing. That to me and how that important that is, and you compare that to like the same value in the world of sports cards, it doesn't make any sense. From a cultural significance part, like the Harry Potter card is so much bigger than almost anything I can come up with in the world of sports cards. Really, like it, like what what how can these two things be worth the same is what I is what I say to myself. But the reason that it is that way, I believe, is that Harry Potter collectors have not, at least at this point, transitioned to be card collectors. Will Stranger Things collectors, people who love Stranger Things, will they end up gravitating towards the card medium as opposed to was at the store the other day? I saw this like electronic demogorgon, or you know, like the clothes that you could wear, or the posters, or the movie par- uh, paraphernalia, or all the different things that you can collect in that world. If the world of collectors all ever focuses in on the card medium then you and I, from a financial perspective, will be set because we'll have these really rare collections and you'll have so many people who are out for that sort of thing. And I think that there's a chance that that could happen. I do. I think there's a real chance that could happen. But I don't know it's going to happen because I know, again, I know sports collectors love cards, not all of them, but a huge portion. I don't know yet if entertainment lovers love cards i think they should and i could walk through a million reasons why it's like stock and it's like art and it's really cool and it's like it's way better than like some random thing that this guy put together or like you know what i mean like there's so many things about cards that are so cool and i know you and i have given a lot of our lives to it so we both feel that way um but i don't i don't know yet the jury's still out on whether these fan bases will ever move so much in the cards but if they do it's gonna be interesting yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that too. Um, I will do my best to to continue just like you do um, to sell how great our hobby is, whether you're a sports card collector or whether you're an entertainment card collector. Um, there's something about those pieces of cardboard and the, the, the art that comes with that, the, the representation of what um, those cards represent, like that representation of what they represent yes of course mike but you know what the what those cards mean and how using that card lets us tell a story about why that sport why that athlete why that um ip that character from a movie or tv show why that's important to us you know we see that and i hope other people continue to to get to see that well hey we've been spending about 45 minutes so far um talking about about Harry Potter cards, talking about entertainment cards. I really appreciate you spending a few minutes um, letting us kind of behind the curtain on on Harry Potter, why it's important, some things that are out there. If other people are as passionate as as you are about Harry Potter, of, of what is out there for us to to pursue and to collect. So, Adam, thanks so much for um, an opportunity to to talk Harry Potter and Harry Potter cards. Mike, th- 
Thank you. I, I, I said at the beginning of the episode before we started that I was worried that I would get going and I wouldn't be able to stop. I, I try and I know it probably feels like I, I talk too much, but um, but I really think that if you're a collector of cards and if you love Harry Potter, I think it's such a cool thing. It's not expensive in, in so many different ways. And then if you want it to be expensive, it is in, in certain ways. And if anybody has any questions, I feel free to reach out to me. I'm not difficult to find. And I would love to, to help people understand, you know, whatever it is that they want to go after in that world. I'd love to talk about the things that, that make it more, that make it fun and some, some of the rarer types of things. And um, just thank you, Mike, for giving me a chance and a platform to talk about these things. Cause I, cause I, again, I just, I love it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and, and hopefully people are going to be able to to refer back to these couple episodes as kind of anchor episodes if they want to dig in and, and learn more about Harry Potter. So thanks again, Adam. I appreciate it. That was about 45 minutes of Harry Potter card conversation over these last two weeks. I hope you enjoyed it. I My hope is really that it inspired you to think a little bit differently about some of these entertainment properties that you are passionate about and explore whether or not there's cards out there for you to collect that are based on those TV shows, movies, or whatever it might be. Personally, I have found that that can be a refreshing change of pace sometimes. Well, come on back next week. I'm going to be spending a little bit of time talking about this concept of anonymity in the hobby. We've got people that hide behind fake usernames, anonymous accounts. They don't let people know who they really are, but they want our time and attention. Or even worse, they want to do business with us and, and take our money without us even knowing who they are. We're going to talk a little bit about that next week. <laughs>